Run, run, Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den podcast. Michael Buble voice. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Christmas Day game is the top headline of this podcast. Uh, Ty is here. Yep. Great singing voice, Ty. Brantley's also here. I really like Run Run Rudolph. I think it's an <laughs> underrated Christmas song. When I see those scenes in Home Alone, it really gets me pumped. Mm. And John Craft is here. Welcome. Hello. Well, guys, we are gathering again in the, I would say, slowest part of the NBA year. The middle two weeks of August because... We have something to talk about, and that's the schedule dropping yesterday. We're recording on a Thursday night. Um, However, before the schedule was officially released, we had a few games that were uh, dropped by different outlets. We saw, for example, the Christmas Day game. We are going to be playing at Golden State on Christmas Day, the Grizzlies' first ever Christmas Day game in franchise history. Um, I'm very interested to see where that's going to fall in the lineup on Christmas Day. I have a feeling it's going to be maybe one of the last two. Have they we have, released? We have 5 p.m. on ABC. 5 p.m. Okay, great, so great. The Primus. Well, no, it's well, it's it's 5 p.m. local time, so it's 7 p.m. We we have the prime game. Prime Perfect time ABC. game. Awesome. I hadn't seen that. I'm glad to hear that's breaking news here on the Grizzden Pod. Uh, we also had the Grizzlies opening day game at home versus the Knicks announced because it's going to be on ESPN, uh, which is very exciting. And we also had the MLK game announced, which we fully expected. It was just a matter of who was going to be the opponent, and that's going to be the Phoenix Suns. Um, Those were the three games announced, and then the schedule dropped. And it was a conversation, I think, between a lot of Grizzlies fans. It was definitely a conversation between uh, us four about how many national TV games the Grizzlies were going to get. And just for the purposes of this... We are, um, I think, all in agreement here that NBA TV, we are probably not going to be counting that in our uh, national TV just because, honestly, I think people have a harder time getting NBA TV than they would their local channel, um, which is crazy. But uh, So we're not counting NBA TV in these numbers. I had the over-under. I threw it out at 10.5 because, I, I don't know, I was being a little conservative. Um, I felt like with the Jaren injury, uh, that could play maybe into – the uh, number of national TV games, and then also with uh, overall the NBA being quote-unquote stronger. We will debate that later, but there are more stars that are uh, playing this year with maybe some guys coming back from injury. But the number came in at 18. 18 nationally televised games on ESPN, TNT, and ABC, which is incredible. 28 if you count NBA TV, uh, which is nuts. Brantley, you had the... Uh, rankings pulled up of where the Grizzlies fell in respect to like the rest of the league in the number of nationally televised games. Yeah. So I'm curious, where, where do y'all, let's get it on the record officially where you think we rank this season now that you know we had 18 without comparing it to anybody else. We know Golden State was number one. We knew Golden State was got to be but number they one. Had like no, Golden State is number one with 30 
games on national t- television, not NBA TV. Okay. 30, not NBA TV. And I think Boston's got to be up there because they're in the finals. Yeah. I think they're probably number two. I'm going to throw two, the both LA teams, and then, and, oh, man. Maybe the Knicks, too. The Knicks always get on TV. So I'm going to go along with the question and say we are seventh. Yep. Is that right? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to say. <laughs> I was so sure. I was going to say ninth. I'll go higher. I think we're like sixth. Kraft is exactly right. We're ninth. Oh, so it goes what a guess. Warriors with 30, Lakers 27, Celtics 25, Bucks 23, Sixers Bucks. 23, Suns 22, your, your Mavs at 21. Clips twenty, Grizz eighteen. Hmm. So notable, we're ahead of the Nugs, the Nets. So it goes: the Nets only have thirteen, Knicks have thirteen, Heat yep. have eleven, Pels eleven, Wolves ten. I'm gonna skip a couple others. The Hawks eight. Hmm. Man, the, Heats and Hawks fans the Blazers are not happy right now. three. The Jazz one. I yeah, that the Nets know. is the most surprising. It's really interesting because you got to think that I read this cool article in the Athletic that I was referencing earlier with, with you guys and how they plan out the schedule. And basically, they have a set number. I think it was like 130 total uh, televised games between TNT, ESPN, and ABC, and they let them figure out who they want first as far as matchups. It's not even necessarily like a timeline yet. Um, they're just talking about matchups. So. That was back in like early, early, I mean, summer, early summer. So it, they have, and that was before all the trade stuff with the Nets. That's still surprising though, that like the Nets didn't get that many. How many, how many did you say? Eight? Is that what it was? The Nets got 13. Oh, 13. Okay. Okay. Man, that's, that's pretty The crazy. same as the Knicks. <laughs> Both have 13 national televised games. Wow. Well, uh, Ninth is, I guess, when you list the rest of the te- those teams, like the Bucks, that makes sense. Uh, Clippers makes sense, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, okay, let's talk about some notes regarding the Grizzlies schedule. Um, the way that it works overall, if you didn't know this, the way that the NBA builds their schedules is you have four games apiece against your division opponents, which make up 16 total games. You then have two games against out-of-conference opponents, each one of them, a home and away, and that's, so that's 30. Um, and then the rest of the games are against your conference opponents that aren't necessarily in your division, um, and you either have three or four against these conference opponents, and that just kind of switches every year who um, you play. So it's like 36 games across 10 opponents. That makes up 82 games. Uh, Rob Fisher does this incredible thing every year where he uh, takes, I guess, a couple hours after the schedule is released and and unpacks it all. Um, he posted on Twitter. You should look it up, but I'll run through a few of the notes here that he has. The The opponents that we have three games against this year are Portland, Denver, the Lakers, and the Clippers. The rest uh, in the Western Conference we have four games against. So Portland, Denver, Lakers, Clippers. It's pretty good. That's it's not pretty bad. Good, pretty good draw. Denver and, Cl- and the Clippers specifically. That's nice to only have to play them three times. Um the Lakers, it's one of those things that I, it's a little bittersweet because I would rather play the Lakers more. <laughs> but uh, and then Portland's just kind of a mystery. We'll see. We'll see how they're going to be. We have twelve back to backs. Four of those back to backs are in January. So January January might be tough. We have five what I call quote unquote sets, which is you're playing the same team two games in a row. 
We have Utah, San Antonio, Dallas, Houston, and the Clippers. That happens with. We have six of our eight games to start the season are on the road. Um, but as we'll probably get into, the opponents themselves aren't as threatening as they could be. The longest homestand is five games. It's happening at the beginning of December, December 5th through December 15th. The longest road trip is happening in January. It's January 20th through the 27th. As we mentioned, first ever Christmas Day game on the 25th. And actually, this will be the Grizzlies and the Warriors' first meeting of the season, which will be really interesting there. We have a five-game stretch from at, in late December at Denver, at Phoenix, at Golden State, versus Phoenix, at Toronto, that uh, Fisher considers to be the toughest of the schedule there. We have only a few more notes here left. Grizzlies play at home versus Pelicans on New Year's Eve could be fun. Uh, we start 2022 with three sets of back-to-backs. Of course, the MLK game uh, Monday uh, on January uh, 16th. We have we play at Boston on ABC before the Super Bowl. 17 games in March. That's the high in terms of uh, months of the season, however many games we have in that month. We end the season with four of the five on the road. So we start and end the season pretty heavy on the road guys after like digesting the schedule hearing those notes what are the biggest things that stick out to you about the schedule what surprised you when you you saw it I think the number of national televised games surprised me a little bit so we had in our group text that we have uh craft I think it was you threw out an over under of ten and a half oh yeah that's what I was talking about earlier ten and a half um and I think I was like, I think that's a pretty good number. I could see it like being 10 or 11. And I was like, I'm going to take the over, but not. Didn't expect by much. Um, and 18 is by much. That kind of yeah. throw, that kind of blows well, we had, out of the I mean, water to there. put it in perspective, but we got bumped into some games last year. But this, this time, you know, this time last year, we had three nationally televised games. So going into the season, we thought we were only going to be nationally televised three times going into the season. Then we got, I think, three or four more got bumped into them uh, as we were successful. But just go to f- go from 3 to 18 is a pretty massive jump when we didn't, like, draft anybody. Like, you know, there was no, like, a major addition to our team. Yeah. So. John Moran effect. Yep. Honestly. I mean, it shows you, too, how much the NBA is tapped into Twitter, I think, mm-hmm. uh, as a primary source of fan engagement. And I think it shows you that, um, for I mean, whether or not they always translate to to wins is of course not not always the case. But highlights are important if you're yeah. looking to be uh, featured on a national stage. I think you have to have some flair, which I mean was fun in the grit and grind era to kind of be the in, against the grain. Just you know, people don't appreciate us, but at the same time, this is going to be a lot of fun, and I think it also comes with its uh, fair share of pressure. I mean. It's going to be uh, a lot more eyeballs on the Grizzlies this season than there ever have been, especially after a season where we won 56 games. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was one of the things that jumped out to me, and this is just like me being a, you know, uh, a worrying Memphis fan. But I was looking at we have a stretch in March from from like uh, March 3rd to March 9th where we have four straight. So we play four games in like nine days. And we're on ESPN, ESPN, TNT, TNT. And I'm just waiting for the the Memphis is overrated, Memphis is on TV too much, 
Grizzlies uh, fatigue. But to think that yeah, Grizzlies fatigue. But to think that we <laughs> in in eight nine days have four major national televised games is crazy. Um, in a row, like that's the kind of stuff we complain about other teams. Like we complained about the Pelicans a couple years ago having that kind of stuff. And so, um, but it's crazy how many how many televised games we have nationally. I mean, honestly, like the reason why I mean that same thread, I was like, I'm hammering the over because you know, not just Twitter. I think Ja with his, you know, everyone has sort of talked about how he's he's really like the number one, uh, like most engaged uh, social star on all of NBA's social media feeds. He was number nine in Jersey sales last year, total, um, you know, ahead of him or, you know, the usuals, LeBron, Harden, because he switched teams, Curry, KD, Tatum, Embiid, Giannis, Luka. The NBA would honestly just be stupid not to put him on the screen as much as possible. Yeah. So it, this is – this is a, I mean, it's, Ja would say this is not just about him, but it is about him, in my opinion. Yeah, I noticed, too, when you're kind of looking at the way the national TV schedules uh, line up, you know, we do have four, I believe, before the uh, latter part of December, which is really important because that means there's 14 after December 20th. And so... That's going to be important in, in terms of Jaron and his timeline because I think that's going to be a major part of the Grizzlies' success this season. We can argue about how much that is going to impact record, um, but I thought that was that was nice that we nece- don't necessarily have a ton front loaded. Therefore, we're potentially going to be seeing the best Grizzlies product in the, that March stretch that you were talking about, Kraft. Um, as well as some more in, in February and January. Yeah, I mean, I, I think to that point, I mean, you look, if you really break down the first, like, let's just call it 30 games, you know, this is a, a positive and a negative. I mean, like, that's where the Grizz have got to make some major noise and get off really hot. I mean, not even hot. They just got to take care of business. I mean, you got a chance to go, like, 22-8 and eight in those first 30 no. Maybe even better. I mean, if we had Jaron, I would be wanting us to have like the number one record. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a really should we really we go through it? Schedule. Should we do yeah. New York? Can I just say this real quick yeah, before yeah. we get started on that? Yeah. So I remember someone mentioning like our playoff series. Like a lot of people were watching us. Um, if I'm reading this right, our so any playoff round series of the first two rounds of the playoffs so that doesn't include conference finals or the finals our series against the warriors grizz warriors round two game one of that series had 7.7 million viewers that was the largest in a decade for any Mm -hmm. round of the first two series not bad no. So every like we had a lot of eyeballs on us right. last year too, especially in the playoffs and playing the Warriors, like that. We were everyone was kind of locked on to us and the Warriors. Yeah, um, I think one of our games was the second most viewed game of the entire playoffs outside of Suns Mavs Game Seven. Um, it's just kind of 
Yeah. Kind of nuts. No, Every one of our Golden State games is yeah. on national television. Yeah, television. and yeah, but and I don't think that's a mistake. And I think actually, I mean, you look that the the conference finals and the finals ratings were actually disappointing um, in in kind of historic uh, terms. But that Grizz Warriors series was very highly rated for in historic terms. So it's a very interesting how that rated. But then the Mavs Warriors didn't rate quite as high, and then the Mavs Celtics didn't rate quite. As, I mean, the the Warriors Celtics didn't rate quite as high compared to other finals in the past too. So that says something about that people enjoy watching the Grizzlies, even though we're a small market. And team. back to the, I remember one of y'all mentioned like it was it's the jaw effect. Like I remember Charles Barkley was like pluralizing Bain's last name. He's like, man, that Desmond Bain's out there. My favorite it's player. It's going to be a different level of preparation for the Grizzlies this season. Like, for sure. And I mean, and I say that because, too, like with the Golden State thing, you know, they're the, they're the incumbent champions. So they're going to be getting their due hype as they should because Steph is a top 12 all timer from an NBA perspective. And I think that with all of the four of those games being on its respect, to how we played them in that series. And I do think that it also means that, like, there are going to be people, and there are clearly they're executives of these major media companies. They want the eyeballs on the Grizzlies. And also, they're probably realizing that Memphis has a really high probability of being in the top three to four, competing with Golden State to make it out of the West. And so you can't really, in terms of like a respect angle, Sure, you can ask for more. You could ask for that Golden State's top spot, but we haven't won yet, so we shouldn't have it. First 10 games, New York at Houston at Dallas, Brooklyn at Sacramento, two at Utah, Portland at Portland, Charlotte, Washington. There is a world in which, <laughs> you know, 10-0, 9-1, 8-2 is like, yeah, I don't know. Without Jaron, the, the NBA I mean, that, the is J- the NBA. If it, it, if we had Jaron, I would want us to start ten and zero. Yes, like exactly. I mean, I I, I, I mean, in a vacuum, knowing, every game knowing vacuum. knowing that we wouldn't just because you don't really go on ten game winning streaks very right. often. But uh, but that would be it. Would be we need to be starting the season really well. And so the Jaron thing is the one. You know, it's it's sort of a the good news, bad news is the good news is it's a very soft schedule early. The bad news, you know, and so that we can kind of survive the Jaron thing. But the bad news is, are, can we take advantage of this easier schedule early? You know, so I don't. Well, there's also a, I don't think we've said this yet. As far as our strength of schedule. Yeah. It's not brutal, right? I think it was the seventh easiest. Is that right, Brantley? You were looking at it earlier. Yeah, give me one second. Right. And obviously that, you know, going off last year. So like totally, this is just that, before like, everything. There's going to be some surprise teams, and and that's where it's the, one of those things where you know is Donovan Mitchell going to we play at, at Utah twice in a row? Like, is that a tanking Utah team, or is that a team still playing with Donovan Mitchell, trying to be respectable? Um, so there's a little bit of those kind of mysteries out there, but it's a very very you know same thing with Brooklyn. Is that a Brooklyn home game with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, or is that a Brooklyn home game without them because they're sitting yeah. because they haven't been traded yet? Yeah. And so these rankings that I'm looking at. It's a ranking um, using Vegas futures except for Brooklyn. So they eliminated Brooklyn from the data just because of the uncertainties. And so the easiest schedule is Minnesota, Clippers, Milwaukee, Boston, Atlanta, Miami, Memphis. Hmm. That's the ranking. 
and like notable tough schedules like OKC, San Antonio, Houston, the terrible teams obviously have a terrible schedule. But then you look sort of in the middle pack, you've got like New Orleans, LA, Denver, kind of like and Golden State honestly right in the med- in the middle. Golden State has what they're sort of saying is the just straight up zero on this graph of the index right in the middle of this uh, uh, strengths perspective. Yeah, I mean, it, we're helped out majorly by the fact that our in our division we have three teams who I think would not like to make the playoffs. And um, and then I think we have another team that we can talk that I'll talk about later that I think is going to also struggle. So <laughs> wait, I'm so down on them, and I'm excited to talk about it as well. Okay, let's get into a little bit of the. Uh, I mean, this is part of the just summer discussions when you know there are podcasts, articles, NBA fans all taking the off season giving their grades and deciding did my team get um, what they should and could have out of the off season? How are, how is this off season going to uh, improve or not the roster uh, this coming season? We got a lot of discussion on how the Grizzlies are going to look in relative to this past season. And did they do enough to, either continue on last season's success or get better. Uh, there are many out there that I would say don't have as high expectations. Uh, we might have those opinions on this podcast too. I don't know, but I think we should have the discussion on taking the whole of the off season, the draft free agency, and also looking at the external um, landscape of the Western conference in particular what are expectations at a high level going into this season? Um, again, we had a sort of a, a Cinderella-type season in terms of expectations versus reality last year. What do we think? And I'll start with you, Kraft, because I know that you have some thoughts on this. You have to start with Kraft. Yes. Just get, let's get the fire started. That's right. And then we can just manage it along the way. So do we want to start <laughs> with uh, my the way I feel the West of the Western conference or just where our state is. Um, well, I can do it from very different angles. So let's, okay. <laughs> let's actually start by defining the terms of yes. what we're discussing, because I think personally, when I, when people say the Grizzlies are going to be worse, that can mean totally different things to totally different people. Yeah. And I think that could either mean pure record or that can mean how far do you go in the playoffs or that could mean quality of team, regardless of how the rest of the NBA looks. So, like, that's an important word to define. And I think there's an argument that some people out there would just say all three. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Th- that we, we are worse. We'll be we're worse. Guys, the Western we won't Conference. make it as far in the playoffs and are just yeah. quality of player on average is just worse okay. than what it was yeah, last and year. So, yeah. I would disagree with might, all. Like, so, I'm somebody who thinks we will be better than we were last year, thinks the Western Conference is worse than it was last year, and thinks that we will go farther in the playoffs than we did last year. So to clarify, do you think <laughs> we're getting the one seed in the West? I think that we – I, I uh, as things go now, I will expect us to be the one seed in the West. What? As, no way! As, uh, no. But I will say just because the, the NBA season is a, is a crazy long season that um, – 
that I could see us being the similar and having the second best record in the what? Western Conference again. Settle for the second. I would settle for the second. <laughs> um, so that is where uh, I am. And so I will. I, I can go different places, and I know y'all would disagree with me potentially. Uh, so for me, it is last year we had uh, – people keep saying that we had this year where everything came together. I totally disagree. Uh, we never had our starting five. for in, We had them for, like, what, eight games last year? Dylan missed most of the year. Uh, Jaw, our best player, like our star, missed like 35, 32 games, I believe. We we did, were not healthy at all. The only person, you know, that Bain was, was mostly healthy the whole year. Jaron was mostly healthy all year. And the Jaron part is the thing that is the only thing that gives me pause is the Jaron stuff. But I actually have a pretty – I'm pretty optimistic about that because Kleiman and the team has been optimistic. And so I think that every single player they on got to be optimistic. I think every single player on our team should be better than they were last year, except for maybe Dylan. And I think if Dylan is not as good as he was last year, he's going to be traded for better players. Uh, I think that um, – but internal development, I feel strongly about that. I think that the minutes that we gave to Melton and Kyle – are now going to be replaced by Dylan being healthy, by a better Zion Williams, and by rookies who actually stretch the floor, unlike Kyle Anderson. And I feel very strongly that our system and culture are going to be even better than last year, that we're the new Spurs. We rack up regular season wins. Um, we put in people. I think Conchar will have a good year. He's got the confidence of being paid till like 2030. And um, so I expect us – to be better than we were last year. And and so that I can keep going, but I want to hear Just, feedback from that because and I I also think we'll be helped out by the fact that the West is worse than last year. So just um, for reference, if 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 you listening to this podcast are now just like ready to run through a brick wall, you can go <laughs> to uh, DraftKings and put $20 down on the Grizzlies to come out of the Western Conference and uh, or excuse me FanDuel and you and you excuse too me, can $2, you can win $200 with a $20 bet because we are plus 1100 to come out of the West we're behind uh, the Nuggets Lakers Suns Clippers and Warriors in terms of odds to come out of the Western Conference I just I have no things to say other than betting what, with Brantley. I just, I just wanted to just share that right now since I know we have some addicts on the line. <laughs> so I have some or in this room. I have some Will. quibbles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bleeping that out. Preaching to the choir. Uh, so my one thing, first of all, the whole like we weren't healthy. Um, if. Anything, if anyone knew anything about the Grizzlies last year, it was our record without Jaw. Everyone kept harping on it time and time again. So we clearly didn't sacrifice record-wise with Jaw being out. Right. Think um, about think about what will be when he actually plays more games. Well, we literally probably couldn't have won anymore because we won like all of them. <laughs> so there's that. There was like three losses there. <laughs> so if I, I'm just going to go head-to-head right now and just make you say it out loud that okay. we are better than this team. Okay, so I'll just go last year's number one seed, and then this is just the West talking. Yep. Phoenix, we are okay. we are going to finish ahead of them. Phoenix, uh, Paul's a one year older. The chemistry is terrible. Booker's already thinking about whether he's going to go to the Knicks or the Lakers in a couple years. DeAndre Ayton wants out, wants to be traded by January fifteenth. 
uh, they had everything go right for them. I know there were some injuries in there, but they had that like season where it all came together. They won 60 games. I just don't see how they'll be better than they were last year. And I just feel like that cold – like I'm a big – obviously I'm a big culture guy. I just don't like – that they just signed a guy to a max who doesn't want to be there. Cool, it's a fair. So better. You're so Grizzlies will be better the than way. the Suns. Okay. I'm very, I'm very bearish on Phoenix this season. Cool. I don't. I'm just. Yeah. That that makes sense. Um, Chris Paul is still amazing. Devin Booker is a top twelve player in the league. Fifteen for sure. Yeah, I'd say. Aiden's still really quality. We got to really get into how you define these things. We will. Right? I, which is a I also thing to say I also think the Pels and the Mavs showed a little bit that I think a lot of other teams are going to copy and utilize this year with the Suns. Hmm. Like the, I like this exercise, Ty. Would you continue with the next yes, team? Yes. So Golden State. So Golden State is the one team that I'm actually nervous about, uh, and they're the one that I would say is the one seed just because I saw last year when Curry was healthy early in the year they racked up some wins. I really think the loss of Gary Payton and Otto Porter are going to be a big hit for them. And I, I'm not a believer in their young crew. For our listeners <clears throat> and for Brantley, who'd they replace those guys with? Jamichael Green. J. Mike, baby. Oh, man. Now I'm starting to wonder if I should even think about them as one seed. No, anyway. I mean, it's their rookies. They're but, the, rookies but it, from last right. year. They're, they're banging on Kaminga. Kaminga, yeah, Kaminga Wiseman play. showing something, and Moody being a kind of moody replacing sort of what Porter gave them. They signed uh, DiVincenzo. Um, he could play someone like the Gary Payton-ish, play the two. I think if there's any other franchise in the West where all the rationale for what you just said about why the Grizzlies are going to be good should also apply to Golden State and their right. trust I, I will say the culture is there. So, strong. like, their culture and their belief that they can get off of those guys and replace it with a Moody-Kaminga-type, you know, combo – and play those guys throughout the entire season versus trusting on them in the playoffs. I think it's the the same argument mm-hmm. should apply. Also, to though, State. they too are a team at this point in the life cycle, and they're just dynasty here. They don't. I don't think that they're as worried about the regular season anymore. Yeah. Like I think it's all about maintenance. Let's get in top four. And, see and, what and with did that, I think their core won't play all their games either. So right, did we know. say though your original? This is this is about to be bad pod. Did you, did we agree on what worse or better is? No, no. Okay, we didn't because I said it could be. Well, I would like things. to pause this discussion and use Robert's rules of order and propose a second <laughs> discussion that we decide on before coming back to this <laughs> <laughs> with craft. Cause I think it's really important that we all say what our opinions are on what best, what I, is yeah. worse or better. I agree. I think worse is measured by playoffs only. So I don't, I okay. care about the regular season. I care about if we don't get past the first round, then it was a worse season. That, that is a black and white statement to me. And that's it. The only counter argument to that is when you take it and you analyze things in the context of the year that they happen. For example, would you take the 2016-72 win Warriors against the 2022 champion Warriors? Like, I would probably pick the 16 Warriors in a matchup, but it was important that in that year... They didn't actually get, you know, they ran up against the Cavs. Yeah, those are like pantheon of like like best best teams in the history of the franchise discussions. I'm just kind of even like saying like, do we have a better season next year 
All that means to me is do we make it further in the playoffs? Sure. Okay. I mean, to be clear, legalistically. Kraft said all three. I did say all Which three, but I will say for this. He's all three. Playoffs, but when he's saying this, everything. I'm definitely thinking regular season wins. So sure. And 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 I do think, but I but I think so. For me, the Warriors actually I think rival us for regular season wins because of culture, because their core. Um, even though I I fear you know they're aging. Um, whereas like the playoffs, um, with health, I definitely think we're better than them. So, Will, what do you think means? I think better we were better than them team? last year. So, I think it's postseason defined. I they think were better that, than us last year. I think that we're becoming a team that it's in a couple years, and maybe even this is the year where we establish ourselves as a perennial top four in in the Western Conference team. And regardless of whether we're one or whether we're four, if if we have some sort of home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs, like. I would expect to be in the second round every year. Now, second round to me, I don't, I don't consider this season necessarily worse if we run up against some sort of opponent in the second round and we take them like we did Golden State this year. I that to me is context dependent. But overall, if we don't get out of the first round, then I would say like this season wasn't as successful no matter what other metrics so, we have. Yeah. Right. Whereas I would say if they're in less, if we are healthy, if we, if we have the team that we have right now in health, I will be disappointed if we do not make the Western conference finals. So like, even if we lost the second round, I would see the season as a disappointment. Yeah. Personally. So, so but does that mean worse? I mean, I would think it would be just like neutral. That's your expectation. Right. Is That's improvement. my expectation. But wor- worse would be a first round loss. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Agree. Agree with you on that. I, I yes. would love to expect us to make it to a Western Conference Finals as well. Yeah. But the thing that's the, improvement. The thing that's important though is I think that as a two seed, fifty six one team, there's so much more room to go down than there is to go up. And so I think that when we're thinking about this season and people, if they say. You know, if they die on the hill of, oh, I, I said the team would be worse, and there they are. They're 52 wins, not 56, and they were the three mm-hmm. seed. Then they could say, yeah, this yeah. team is worse. But my counter to that would be, okay, let's see what happens in the playoffs. And that's why I think it should be postseason driven right. on if the team is worse or better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going in saying right now, basically, as long as we don't face – the Suns or the Warriors in the first round, I think we're going to have as good of a season as we did last year and not technically be worse in my own definition. Ty, do we we want a closest discussion or or do you have a point and would we like to go back to crafts just just obliteration of every other team in the Western Conference? I'll just – yeah, I know, right? So I'll just share – You're doing a beautiful job of navigating this discussion with him, so I just want to pass you all the college Appreciate that. Um, I think did, I think a lot of things did break right for us to contrast Kraft. Um, I think the Clippers just playing their fifth through fourteenth men all season really benefited us. I think the Lakers being an absolute disaster with Westbrook, maybe they don't improve. My my guess is they do. Davis may get hurt again. I mean, there's a good chance of that. I think the Nuggets were missing two of their top three players, and both of them are expected to come back fully healthy, fully recovered. That was a team that a lot of people had picked healthy to make it to the West Finals. Speaking of West Finals teams, um, they have arguably a top 
five player in the league in Jokic, uh, especially if you look at MVP rankings. I think a lot of things did kind of fall right for us a little bit. Um, and I think we won on depth last year, and I think our depth is now not as good as what it was last year. And if you look at the regular season, kind of like what we talked about, and I know, again, the metric of what are we measuring success with. First, I'll just take the regular season wins being second in the entire NBA. I would be absolutely shocked if we have the second best record in the entire NBA next year. Um, So I'm expecting us to not finish there. Um, And again, one of the big reasons is depth. Like you can knock Melton for his playoff success. You can knock Kyle Anderson because he can't stretch the floor. Those guys were huge in the regular season. There were a lot of like random third quarters where Melton hit like four threes and four possessions and then bumped the lead from three to 15. And then here we are, the game's over. Kyle Anderson, when people got hurt, he could run a second unit. He could do a lot of stuff. And now not only are we replacing those guys, but we're replacing them with rookies who aren't top 10 picks. I guess you could argue Zaire makes a huge leap. Um, I think Zaire, especially because a lot of people want to compare him to Bain and Bain's year two. Bain was a fifth year, or sorry, a a four-year senior at, at TCU. He was 23 coming into the NBA Zaire is the exact opposite, played one year at Stanford and only played like 15 games because of COVID and it was really strange. He was drafted as a project. I do not expect him to come in and be the best three-point shooter in the entire NBA like Bain was. That's just they're not on the same track, and that's fine. He doesn't have to be. But I do think who we're replacing those guys with, who we are replacing Melton and Anderson primarily with, are just simply going to be worse. Um, playoff stuff, I agree with you all. I think I think we have a really good chance of making it out of the first round, but I think just like last year, I think it's going to be – we're probably going to end up playing like – I could easily see a 4-5 matchup with Denver, and it's just like a knockout, just like seven-gamer who's just like every game's a toss-up. Um, so I could see that happening. Um, I don't think – I'll just say it here, I guess. I don't think we're going to have as good of a record in the regular season, and I don't think we're probably going to have as much playoff success this upcoming season as we just did. So I actually see us taking a step back as far as record and playoff success goes. And as I guess, honestly, as far as our like quality of roster, I mean, I think I would probably say it's probably even because I think John, I think Bain, and I can see Jaron being healthy, Zaire. I see all those guys taking a leap. But I could also see our back half of our roster just not being as good. So that's my thought on kind of all three categories. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think a lot of it is dependent upon Zaire, as we discussed. Um, But I think also the other thing is, you know, like the Brandon Clark, Tyus Jones continuity piece, like that's going to be huge coming off the bench. Uh, At the end of the day, you know, when we get into the playoffs – how many guys do you need? I mean, Taylor Jenkins has been running with 10 each game. Uh, he, you know, had, you know, Melton and Kyle. Kyle played real well uh, when he had to in the playoffs, but at the same time, again, struggled from deep. So, I mean, and Melton had some more success in the Golden State Series, but, you know, who those minutes to me, in the playoffs, I'm more concerned about the regular season than I am the playoffs, actually, in a weird way. Sure. I um, get that point. The one thing I want to add about the depth in the playoffs, to me, where you add – I feel like we've – I mean, this is like August. We probably talked too long about all this. But 
like we have depth and we were able to throw different players out in different rotations and matchups. That's what depth gives you in the playoffs. It's not like you're playing 12 guys every playoff series, but like there will be a playoff series. We saw it. Jaron struggled like poo against Minnesota. He was arguably the best player on the floor at times against Golden State because the matchup was awesome. Melton had really good series against Golden State, was pretty much non-existent against Minnesota. Would Brandon you, Clark was really Lou the MVP really of the Minnesota. He was fine. You're right. He was fine. Really good. Brandon Clark played. Serviceable. Brandon Clark was like MVP of the Minnesota series. And was, was borderline unplayable. Unplayable. Against Golden State. So I think that's where depth comes into, comes into view. And now we're going to be like, oh, David Roddy. Can you go play 25 minutes in crunch time? Or, hey, LaRavia, can you drrill every corner three that you – I don't know. It's just – it's different. It's going to be really different. Maybe. There's a exactly. couple of things Maybe. that get reduced. I, I, I will just say this, too. The one other thing, like I'm really big on the Grizz culture thing, too. I do think that there are maybe uh, – like we're we're kind of like maybe checking to make sure we don't have any cracks in our foundation right now. If I'm if if I'm looking from the outsider's perspective, I think you got two core pieces that might would have gone into the offseason thing, and they've already had an extension, and they haven't had one yet. And 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 I do think we can't. I'm not saying that we haven't handled it well, and those that's Brandon Clark and Dylan, right? Both of those guys could have had an extension, and they haven't gotten one. So. That's the first time that those two types of guys are entering it. You know, last time this happened with Dylan, he showed up, you know, and he had a career year, and then we signed him to a big amount. I think that was when we started this podcast, actually. It he was. was like going off. It was yeah. one of our first He had, like, an amazing January. Yeah, so, I mean, granted, I'm not I will expecting say this. that to happen, but it one, just... One caveat on the Dylan thing, it's like, the extension rules had him at like a maximum allowable. It was like a four year, twenty something dollars. It would be a twenty percent raise, which raise, which would take him from like eleven point something this year, and the most he could possibly get with an extension would be like sixteen. Right. So the it's cap like, is going up. So he's like, I could get twenty. So maybe he wants to wait. He was the one. Yes. I think he was like, I don't want. And to we, I, we I, may I, easily sign him to an extension, or right. not. We he may decline, kind of like what we did with Jonas, decline right. the deal sign a new deal. We could easily do that with Dylan if we want to keep and, him. And for me, so what I would say about Dylan and why I would, I agree there is like, I, I think, you know, we don't have this like impenetrable culture yet, uh, you know, that I would just totally die on the hill of. But I do think looking at Dylan, I think it's that he thinks he can get more money. The fact that what what this front office has shown is if they don't think we're that they'll take an extension with us, we trade them. And the fact that we disagree, have, though, Kyle Anderson, we just let him go this summer. Well, that's true, but I think I think for that, I think that's because we didn't we couldn't get anything for him. My personal, I mean, he, he took way less money than I was expecting to go to the T Wolves. That is what Brantley calls what would you say earlier, like something casting. No, that, casting, that doesn't. Casting. I don't know if that applies. I I would but say I think that, that I think, it does not. I think actually. the Grizzlies expect. It's still projecting your. I think casting is, is I what Kraft is saying oh, about the Grizzlies next season. Oh, it <laughs> felt wrong, so I I had we'll, to clarify. We'll go, we'll go back to the. Uh, We'll, we'll return to whether I was whisk casting or not in about uh, five, Lawrence, six months. QB1. But I would say that, that I believe that our front office would have traded Dylan if they thought an extension was not a possibility or they would be or they're exploring it now. I think that um, and I think the fact that he didn't go and play with Canada but stayed with our team 
um, because they asked him to because of his, his his injury rehab. I think the fact that he was very present in Vegas with our summer league team tells me that the culture is fine as, as far as Dylan goes. Same thing with Brandon. In that sense, I actually expect Brandon to get an extension before – like I would expect before the season starts that we've extended Brandon. Mm. But, uh, but we'll see about those things. I think the most important player moving forward is – this season is Desmond Bain. I think that everybody, he's already taken a leap, but I think he can become a guy that could be like the number two guy guy in an offense. And I think that it's going to be, um, it's the thing that I, I, I believe that everybody knows what they're going to get with Desmond Bain, but he can still go up another level. And he, to me, is almost like a bump the ceiling up further than you actually think because we all... I think have a solid view of what we think we we're going to get from Bain. I think it's actually going to get like even crazier. If that's the case, then um, then the whole discussion about the Grizzlies changes. Like it just does. Like if Bain a one two punch stays in the backcourt, yes, like if he Morant stays where Bain. he was last year, then it's like I could easily see us being like missing the play in in a good way, being a top six seed flirting with home court, I can see it 100%. If Bain takes like, oh, this guy's like a top five two guard in the league, like, yeah, it all changes. I want like, Bain to go for Bain 40 is, If Bain first, is like, like getting sure. all-star consideration, yes. which I, is not outside of the realm of possibility, I don't it's think. It's going to happen. That's my, my bold prediction is Desmond Bain will score 40 points in one of the first 10 games. So I want to play – so we were we had this – God, we've just this is such Guys, a long time. Guys, the first time, game but is October. I know 19th. this is ridiculous. I, I really want to. <laughs> I want to tease this. When I think this is one of like our first pods, we basically laid out like Ja. Where do you see him? And we were like, who would you rather have, Ja versus so and so, Ja versus so and so? I'm not going to bring it up. You, y'all, it's in the archives. <laughs> I do want us to do that with Bain at some point, though. I want to go down the list of two guards, we starting sort of two did. guards in the NBA. Two guards. We didn't. I want to do it updated, them. like to, before the season starts. I want to lay out every starting two guard on every other NBA team and say, Our "Would you rather have Bain or this guy?" Live audience will do that. That's it. Oh, great idea. Fourteen. Um, I don't know what it is. Come see us. Don't don't put my address <laughs> out. <laughs> I, bleep something else out. <laughs> I know we're all over the place at this point, but I did want to say that um, I do think that the I think that the Clippers and the Nuggets being much better this year is way overblown. I think like Jamal Murray, Clippers is not, especially Jamal me. Murray is not even planning on beginning the season. Like this, there's something really weird with Michael Porter Jr. Is always so. I I just think I think the Nuggets like I I have lots of respect for the Nuggets. I just I don't see Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming in and being healthy and consistent enough to be better than us. I think the Clippers again. It's like the same thing. It's just like, do we know what Kawhi is going to do? How much is he going to play? Like, why do we think Paul George and Kawhi are going to you know play a like they're going to rest a ton of games? I still think it's it's a weird deal. So I think they're obviously going to be better, but I also and I also honestly didn't love how they went into the playoffs last year. They lost playing games. They just didn't. They just have a weirdness to them to me, and I think it's crazy to me how high they are in the Vegas. I don't odds. think they have a soul. Like that team just doesn't have a soul. That if Kawhi Leonard, I mean, I used to think that Kawhi Leonard was the number one player in the NBA for a couple seasons that you would want, like how he would have gone number one in my draft. Uh, but now seeing how he kind of handled being the guy in an organization for a ex- more extended period of time, granted, he couldn't control his injury, but it's weird. 
So, yeah, that's why I'm kind of down. Nuggets, same thing. Just the Michael Porter, Jamal Murray. Like, I think they could be good at their peak, but they're going to have to put a lot of things together. Um, yeah, I, I think that it's a prove-it year for both of and, those And like I said, franchises. I think we play in a super easy division. I mean, I don't. nobody goes 16-0 and against their division, but we probably should. Um, I just think the Mavs are going to be terrible. Uh, like they'll, they might make the playoffs. Okay, so now we're going back to the part of the discussion where we're just going to roll through every NBA team. <laughs> this is now Ty's chance to just navigate this with I just, Jason. We're on to Dallas. Jason Kidd, <laughs> Jason Kidd at, at Vegas Summer League said with a complete straight face that he was planning on starting JaVale McGee and Christian Wood as their front court next year. And that is that means them not making the playoffs. So that's why I'm glad we have them early because I'm hoping that's the front court we face. Uh, when we play them early, we'll also get out of you know out of shape, Luca. I just think Jalen Brunson was a big part of that team. I also worry about kid second year. I still don't totally trust his coaching. I just think the the Mavs. I think the Mavs are going to be this year's uh, this year's Hawks as far as a team that made it to the conference finals because of a lot of good circumstances. And they're going to take kind of the come in, sort of feeling that, and just not be the same team they were. So, but we'll see. I mean, I so think that's like all the, the other top six. And I just feel like the Grizzlies are going to do what they've always done. And so they're going to have a similar win total and be the second or first seed. To me, the interesting thing about the Mavs is that, like, Kid, he's kind of been praised as like this, like, defensive first kind of guy, you know, like, has a really strong defensive mindset. When you look at like the guys that are going to be getting Christian Wood, is he known for a defensive ball stopper? He's not. Okay. Nope. Uh, what about Bertans? <laughs> nope. Dude, couldn't what about, guard me. What about Spencer Dinwiddie? Nope. What about Fata Fata Doncic? <laughs> no, nope. that was terrible. Luka Doncic. I'm just saying, like he's there big is, though. Luka's big. But like Dorian Finney-Smith is a quality yeah. perimeter defender. Max, yeah, yeah. Uh, Reggie, Reggie Bullock Powell, Dwight is a quality. Powell, Bullock is. I mean, Kleber. We, you know, once on this podcast, you know, we had a, a co-host that said that he would love to get Maxi Kleber on our team. I want him so bad. Yeah. So I mean, I, 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 I sort of understand the Mavs hate. Luka Doncic is really good. He is, if, and that and that might be 50 wins just because they have. Here's him. the crazy thing. If he shows up in shape, if he does like what Embiid did last year, all of a sudden, we're, you're probably like, yeah, my Mavs take is 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 gonna struggle. Yeah, I just there's nobody to blame this year. They've always had somebody to blame in previous years, as far as when the Mavs struggle early. So we'll see. Ty, can we talk about New Orleans for a yes. second? Yes. Oh man, I, well, can we start? Re- <laughs> let's talk about defense. Can you start reading New Orleans? What's you crass- start reading the Pelicans? Can, can, totally can, totally can we check crass? Can they? Right can, can you be thirty first in defense out of thirty <laughs> NBA teams? Let's read. Let's read. Of course, there's one person that apparently Bill Simmons thinks is the next MVP. That's one good defensive player. Um, Herb Jones. He watched two games. Is he just watched? Yeah, but like, let's think about like what their potential starting five is um, coming to the season. Sorry, the the, all all negative defenders. C.J. McCollum, negative defender. Brandon Ingram, Brandon Ingram, negative defender. Jonas, negative defender. Zion Williamson, negative defender. Does. It can will he play Jackson Hayes? He's you know Larry Nance. Larry Nance is solid. Larry Nance is solid. Like, but I mean you know I mean yeah that's, you're right. C J Ingram, Valanciunas, Zion, Devonte Graham, 
I mean that that is about that that probably is their starting five potentially. I mean, that is I'm the worst five defensive salary starting five in the in the NBA. Can we do can we do the Grizzlies without Jaren for a second? Yeah, we can do that. Ja. Okay, Jaw's Bane. negative. Ja, that's where Jaw's going to improve this year, though. Bane. Bane, I think, is a very solid defender. Average, I would say. Okay. I think Slayton. Which is okay. Dylan's obviously a size. really high-quality defender. Dylan's a high-quality defender. Steven Adams. Steven Adams, I think, is a good defender. Like, okay. against, obviously not right. against small teams. He's a great – he is, fun, He is. I think, above average in the regular season. Okay. Yeah. Is what I would say. Brandon sure. Clark. BC. BC, very good defender. Fine. For stretch. Solid. Solid, solid defender. Okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah, I just had. I'm not great without yeah. Jaren. It's not. But great. but I also believe I I do I have I believe sort of in our system, especially in the regular season of protecting the rim, um, and and how we you know how we run defense, and so I I feel like we're going to make up for that. I mean, you that's, haven't mentioned Danny Green, and I haven't mentioned Danny Green. Well, I want to say this real quick. This isn't perfect, but we we I was looking last year's stats as a team. What do we average in terms of stocks? So it's nine point eight steals. Very high. Nine point eight steals, six point five blocks per game. How then? I wanted to do the math on how many did Kyle Melton and Jaron average yep. of that. And it, in like steals, it was three point five, three point four out of nine point eight. So um, over a third of the of the steals were those three players. And then it was actually um, Jaron. You're you're going to bring back your best guy in terms of blocks, but. Over half of of like blocks per game were those three players, and Jaron was two point three. So I mean, like you're really only losing a block. But again, that's not how it works in the NBA. You're sure. going to adapt. You're going to fill in those cracks. But I just wanted to mention from a defensive perspective, that's what we're missing. And I think yeah, we won. We won off of possession battle. We won every possession statistic you could ever imagine. Um, I, just, I think New Orleans is going to be good. I really do. What's um, your Timberwolves take? Wrong, the Minnesota thing is what I was going to ask next too, because that's the most interesting. So I mean, one to I me. think the Pels could. I just, I, I'm, I'm again, just like the Pels are going to have to show me because every year they've been a disappointment, um, and so they got to show me something. I still just don't believe in that in that group as being able to defend enough. I just think the regular season to, that matters to a, less to keep. I know, but I think to get a winning streak, you can't just outscore people every single night. But we'll see. That 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 would be my. The question is like, can Zion really play without the ball in his hands? If if he's on the court offensively, I mean, when they were successful, the only time he's been successful is when he was point Zion, and it was awesome. Yeah, but he, no, that's but, a good point. But he, they it, have a lot of mouths to feed now. With yeah, CJ, a ton of mouths to feed. and Zion, and like, I don't and Jonas, he needs the ball. I don't think that. Yeah. I don't like Zion and Jonas on the floor together. Seems like not possible. I do, I just think they have a. I I, I would say that really I, huge people. Lot to figure uh, out. I I think lots to figure out. I think when we get to playoff time, they might be a team I don't want to see in the playoffs. But I just think there's going to be a twenty thirty game figuring things out, which is probably a good segue to Minnesota, mm-hmm. which I so which also I think. Um, because part of me thinking the Golden State and the Grizzlies are going to be high is the continuity factor, and I think that that Minnesota is going to struggle a little bit with um, with how it all fits. I think, and so that's their struggle. I I mean, I honestly don't know what to do because I think Gobert is an unbelievable regular season NBA player, but I just think that fit is so weird, and I'm just thinking about how are they going to score. When they have Gobert, Cat, Kyle Anderson, 
Anthony Edwards, like how are they going to, when everybody just packs the paint, like how are they going to score unless just Cat and Anthony Edwards are shooting 40% from three? I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. They're going to just shoot? Yes. I think Cat is just going to live on the perimeter and never step foot inside the three, and he's just going to basically turn into Chris Bosh with Miami. He's just going to rain threes. And I think Anthony Edwards is going to be amazing. The center version of James Harden, everyone's going to hate him. They're going to be the most hated team, I want to say, since Chris Paul Clippers. Like, they're going to be despised by me, at least. I think that Kyle Anderson is going to end up having an outsized importance on that team, which is not a good thing because of the lack of distribution from Ant and Cat. Because Gobert has to have... If he's going to score, it's got to be on a lob. It's got to be him rolling. And I think that Kyle, obviously, is a guy that's so used to being the hub of playmaking. But at the same time, if you're going to play Kyle Anderson with Gobert, two complete non-shooters, it's going to be really interesting. And I think that they could pose problems for certain teams they are going to be completely matchup dependent. I just think, like, I think about our matchup, and this is my dream lineup, kind of what we did last year a little bit. Jaron goes to the five and makes Gobert guard in space and in the perimeter, and we just put Dylan at the four and say, Dylan, guard Cat because he's going to be in the perimeter, and then, hey, Cat, keep up with Dylan. Good luck with that. And we just go crazy small and just run them to death. And I think that people are going to figure that out, obviously, really quickly, and that's honestly the way the NBA is trending anyway is a five-out basketball and Minnesota's set up to not defend that way. And I think they could get picked apart pretty quick. But regular season teams don't really do that. They just kind of like, again, what you were saying about our just like regular season defense. We play our drop. We try to take away layups and threes. And, you know, teams do that. So they could probably be really good in the regular season. There's going to be a public WTF moment headlined by Anthony Edwards. Like I think Ant's awesome. I love him. Me too. <laughs> He's a future Chris. He's going to be on the Grizz. Yeah. <laughs> if Minnesota continues to mess this up, like getting Rudy Gobert on their team, because I think cool. they might be stunning the Edwards growth, and he's yeah, still going to grow anyway. Totally. But like he's that incredible. guy can attack they, they also, like crazy, th- and you're but he's going to be like he's the gonna, there's going to yep. be a moment where he's like, "What did we just do?" Yep, and everyone's going to know about it. And it's going to – like, that team cannot handle that ish because the one guy, honestly, who could have helped help like hold them together is gone. And people Pat Bev, yeah. Well, and I, th- I mean, I do think it's and, – and, and we've seen it, how great it is for our culture. I just when, – when you have what I think is, like, one of the next great stars in the league and you have somebody else on your team that thinks they're better than you, that thinks that they're actually the best player on the team, that is a very difficult thing because Cat believes he's the best player on that team. And I think that is just a very hard thing. And now you're putting in Gobert, who is just not a beloved teammate yeah. at all. And so I, what's their, I can't remember their coach's name. Finch. Finch. Chris he, Finch. Uh, Rosillo did a really interesting interview with him after the season. And I can't exactly remember how Rosillo asked it, but it was kind of on that lines of like Edwards versus Towns type thing. And and Finch kind of skated around it in a way that was like, man, like not that like Jenkins would ever just come out and just blatantly be like, yeah, Jaws the best player on our team because like I don't really think that's our culture, but like other people have on the team have said that about Ja. Like some at some point that's got to happen with Edwards or he's destined for elsewhere or they got to blow it up. 
Well, and they can't blow it up. They have no draft picks until like 2031. Unless they trade Edwards for Unless like, they trade or Edwards trade for a bunch of other people's draft picks. They trade anybody, I think. Um, yeah. Unless Edwards demands out. We're projecting ahead a few years, but <laughs> we're we but doing. Speaking of projecting, but by far the most projecting, not for aesthetic reasons, but probably they're going right. to be the most interesting league pass team Edwards next year. Is like legit, watching the, the type of person that out. you need next to Jaw. So, oh. God, so I have no idea what to think of them. Jaw Bane Edwards. So, Lord have mercy. but to go with the theme, <laughs> Would you trade Jaron for to, Ant? No, <laughs> to go with the theme, out. I have no idea what to think of the T Wolves as far as how they're going to be in the regular season. I just think we're better than them. So. I'm going to still say we're better. We're going to win more games than they All right. How many more teams in this mix do we have to go through before? I think that's it. Okay. I think I just wanted to – I'll just run. I mean, like, I think Lakers New Orleans is going to be improved. Possible. I think Lakers are going to be improved. I think Phoenix is still going to be good. I think Dallas is going to be good. I think Golden State is going to be good. Portland's going to be Denver's going to be good. Portland's going to be better, but they're still they're not, not going like, to be like great. They're going to be no, fine. They're going to be bad. They're going to be worse. Portland's has a really hard, tough early schedule. And I think we get we about fifteen games in the season. We get we start getting the trade request. <laughs> yeah, wait. I'm probably really off on that, but I just I don't see how they can be any better than like the tenth best. Well, team. I mean that's an interesting point because Will, you mentioned this like the NBA is the NBA, like it's just volatility all the time. And I to Kraft's point, I'll give you credit on this one, Kraft. I do think that we are stable. And I think that means something because there's only a handful of stable teams in the NBA. And I think we're one of them. And I think that matters. Um, I'm not worried about something happening with our roster. We've talked about culture. We'll continue to talk about culture. I'm not worried about that aspect of things. My main concern is, like, we need rookies to kind of, like, play fairly big minutes. And we're missing our the second. But I feel like basically really Zaire minutes, though. Milwaukee. What's that I now? The only stable teams stable. are us, Golden State. And we Milwaukee. we need we need Conchar to be enough of a poor man's Deanthe Melton, and we need we need the rookies to kind of be Zai. We need Zaire to fill in kind of Kyle and just be way better, and then we need the rookies <laughs> to kind of come in and be like Zaire sort of was last year. And Zaire was terrible for the first. You know, half of the season, basically. I think Zaire's role fits what we need more than Kyle's. Like, Kyle's best mm-hmm. and Zaire's best. We need Zaire's best more than what Kyle right. provides. We need a guy who can just, like, corner three, close your eyes, it's going right. in. Uh, can you defend, like, multiple positions? I know Kyle could, too, but no. Zaire's defense I mean, My, was my belief is Roddy and LaRavia are going to be battling it out for that tenth person. So, yeah, Last right. question, is there a non-zero chance that Santi Aldama... Oh, is in the starting lineup. Is there a, a non-zero chance? No. Yeah, no. I mean, all right. I'll remember that. Uh, no, what? Just, wanna, <laughs> just that a, wait. Is that a serious question. Just wait. Just wait. If it's we're putting happen. all our hopes on Santi, then we are truly. I'm just saying to start the season. Sure. No. Maybe. I I definitely would say there's a non-zero chance. I would say I there's about a thirty percent chance. I agree that he's the starting four against mm-hmm. New York. If they don't want to in two mu- in two start months. Brandon and they don't want to start Dylan, there's not a lot of guys. Just saying. And you don't want to start a rookie. Have you forgotten Wait, about they not want to start Kenny Brandon? Lofton Jr.? Come on, man. Because they like his chemistry with Tyus. They're not they're off not, the bench. They they just need they but maybe by the end of the training camp they'll see Steven not, Adams three point percentage. That, how he's how he shoots threes now, and maybe right. then they'll let Brandon Clark That's not to say Santi Should I look up his free throw like percentage? Or just let that rest. Uh anyway. Uh that was probably good as ever. 
spot to end part one. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. We're going to take a quick break, and then we are going to come back with our. I believe this is the third annual schedule draft. So we we introduced the schedule at the top of this pod. We are going to be spending the uh, next part going through a snake draft where we are drafting the 16 best games. Uh, we are each going to end up with four, and then we are going to do our best to throw these uh, games out on social media so you can vote who got the best four um, out of the 16 that we draft. So join us on the next part. Who won last year? It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, no one won last year. I just encourage you not to listen to last year's uh, schedule draft. You'll you'll laugh. Um, all right, join us in part two. We'll see you soon.